You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down yet another loss for the Jets, this time against Vancouver and where the club goes from here. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So, what was the good on Thursday night in Winnipeg? Well, I mean, you could have flipped the channel to watch Team Canada's men's soccer team pick up another big win. Or you could catch a re-airing of the Grey Cup game, which I just finished way too late at night. But I had to just remember what a, a big Winnipeg victory felt like. So, there were those two options for you to try to grab a, a shred of optimism on a Thursday night. The bad, though... Anything related to hockey, which, of course, included a 5-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks for the Winnipeg Jets, a game that could have seen them end a lengthy losing streak, but instead, we're talking about where that defeat ranks in terms of worst losses on the season just 40 games in. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'll tell you what I know for sure about the game against Vancouver. It was exhausting. (laughs) It was... It was exhausting and just joyless to watch. Like, there was no fun throughout that entire 60 minutes outside of maybe the brief Andrew Cobb goal early on, batting that one out of midair. But but other than that, there was just not a whole lot to get excited about. And for me, at least, I, I think that would put the nail in the coffin for the Jets' playoff hopes this season. And I get there's still half a season to go and... You know, people will say there's a lot of track left, the marathon, not a sprint. You know, the deficit's only five or six points for a wildcard spot, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, what have we seen through 40 games so far? What have we seen in the brief Dave Lowry era that would lead you to believe that there's a turnaround coming for these Winnipeg Jets? I mean, where was the freaking effort last night, first and foremost? And I'm not a big fan of pointing to effort being a reason why a team lost here and there. But I mean, come on. There was no fire, no jump, no energy at all from the team. In a game that, you know, really meant a lot to try to kickstart and, and turn your season around. And it looked like your average Sunday morning beer league game at Gateway Arena. I, I mean, I, I just don't get it. 
all of this too against a Canucks team that was below them in the standings, let alone some of the big heavyweights they're going to have to face coming up here soon. And speaking of Vancouver, it's easy to look at the turnaround that's gone on there under Bruce Boudreaux and think, boy, did the Jets ever miss a big chance to bring somebody outside the organization with a fresh perspective, a fresh set of eyes to try and kickstart the club. I mean, Boudreaux would have been amazing himself. And I still can't believe other teams weren't bending over backwards to try to bring this guy in because all he does is, you know, fall out of bed and 100-point seasons roll out of his pockets. But when Paul Maurice stepped aside, the hope was from the team that a new voice would give a big boost to the Jets. Somebody else delivering the message behind the bench would get this team to reach a higher level, a level that they really didn't achieve over the first, I guess, 30 or so games at that time. And the new Jets just look like the same old Jets. And like I said earlier, it's just frustrating to watch because it's the same things over and over again. I mean, defensively, the team was a complete train wreck last night. And yes, there were a bunch of youngsters on the blue line in the lineup, a lot of injuries, and those things never help. But, I mean, excuses can only go so far because there was no real structure to speak of. And you have teams like Pittsburgh, who's gone through way worse injury issues than the Jets have. I mean, them, Tampa Bay, Vegas, I'm sure there's a few other teams in the playoff mix right now that have had both injuries and COVID absences. Yet they maintain, at the very least, a high level of defensive commitment and team structure. And that's not the case in Winnipeg and, and hasn't been there all season long. And that problem's continued since Palmer stepped down. On top of that, I mean, the play of Mark Scheifele has not improved. Both the play and the the level of effort given. Yet he continues to rack up the most time on ice, night in, night out for the forward group. So your number one center is not playing up to the level that he's capable of. And there is seemingly no accountability for it. The bottom six gives you no offense. That's continued for a number of seasons. And even the one positive constant through the last few seasons here in Winnipeg just isn't at the same level it has been, and and that's been the play of Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he's just been ordinary so far this season instead of superhuman, evident by the the third goal, the JT Miller hat-trick one. I mean, from distance, clear sideline, and right through the wickets. That's when Connor Hellebuck stops in his sleep last year. And, you know, it's almost morbidly funny in a way because the high level of goaltending Hellebuck provided the Jets these past couple of seasons, you know, really might have harmed the team's long-term prospects. And this almost win-now, win-at-all-cost philosophy heading into this season, because Vesna caliber goaltending covers up a lot of warts on a team. And it maybe makes you think things aren't as bad as they seem, or you're closer than you might be. But, you know, the harsh reality so far through the first half of this season is that, I mean, A... It's hard for any goalie, no matter how great they are, to keep that level of play up for multiple seasons. And now that elite goaltending isn't holding the Winnipeg Jets forward up, maybe we're finding out that this club's problems were a lot deeper than we ever expected. I mean, I I fell victim to it for sure. I, I went into the season thinking this is a playoff team this year. And anything less than that would be a massive disappointment. Yet we are where we are right now. And it's just... The Canucks game in particular, maybe, was the most sobering loss that I've seen from the team this season in a number of aspects. Because 
Look, the chase for a wildcard spot is getting bleaker and bleaker by the game. But now that that seems to be almost a, a foregone conclusion here, there's going to have to be some major philosophical discussions and some major roster building decisions headed into the trade deadline with some key UFAs on tap and some key, key weaknesses to address as well, setting up another big offseason for the club on top of all that. So, a really disappointing one, no doubt, and a pretty, uh, pretty brutal way to head into the weekend. Now, there's a few other things from the game that I do want to touch on quick. We did have another NHL debut on the blue line. You know, Ville Hanela got in another game, and there were some few other notes and, and maybe some news around the NHL that we will get to in uh, just a bit. But first, we got to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. DraftKings, of course, unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. And man, oh man, what a freaking weekend of the NFL playoffs we saw last weekend. Only four teams remain now, so limited time for you to get in on the action. We'll see if uh, conference championship time has a little, I can't even say a little more in store, can match what we just saw in the divisional round, but not a lot of time left for you to get in on the action. And there's some pretty good odds coming your way, courtesy of DraftKings, because with Super Bowl 56 on tap in a few weeks, new customers get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5, you get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Any team, by the way, too. If you're not a new customer as well, you can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout, which is what I love to do, even though I don't get that payout too often. And a reminder, too, that DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And remember, too, they do have daily free games to play as well for anybody up here in Canada and Manitoba. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So an unfortunate blow heading into the game because the news that Dylan Sandberg was going to be missing, it sounds like week to week, so he'll miss a handful of, of games coming up here, right as he was starting to get, I think, acclimated and comfortable at the NHL level. So a tough blow for the Jets heading into the contest against the Canucks. But I mean, I guess the silver lining to that was Jonathan Kovacevic got a chance to make his NHL debut. Family was able to catch that one as well. So, I mean, that was a, a bit of a heartwarming, a bit of a positive in terms of a game that didn't really have a whole lot of it. And, I mean, I, for one, was really excited to see the kid play because I thought that, I mean, out of all the youngsters in preseason, but, I mean, even amongst some of the NHL regulars for the team, I thought Jonathan Kovacevic was the preseason standout for the club. And, and I thought there was a chance that, you know, depending on how the early season played out, he might be 
an opportunity to be one of the first few call-ups from the Winnipeg Jets, even ahead of, you know, much more high-profile draft picks like Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg. But it took him a bit of time and a lot of injuries and a lot of COVID absences. But Kovacevic finally made his NHL debut last night. So how did he look? Well, I mean, thankfully for him, <laughs> it was much more positive the rest of the night as opposed to the first period. That was uh, that was a bit of a wake-up call for, for, for a youngster making his NHL debut. I mean, completely understandable, right? Even with... Even without the the crowd and everything like that, it, it just looked like initially the speed and the pace of the game was a little too much for Kovacevic to handle, right? Like, I, I mean, there were a few mistakes, a few turnovers. He looked a little bit, you know, nervous with the puck on his stick, some bad reads. There was especially that the one play where he tried to fire a saucer pass kind of through the middle of the ice. Elias Pedersen knocks it down, you know, pretty easily, and they get a dangerous shot on Connor Hellebuck. That's a play that he doesn't have to worry about in the AHL, but in the NHL, you need to be a little more aware of who's on the ice and where when you make a play like that. Um, so, I mean, it was a bit of a rocky start. Not a bit of a... It was a pretty rocky start for Jonathan Kovacevic. But, I mean, give him a ton of credit, because as the game wore on, as he got more ice time under his belt... He really was pretty impressive, I thought. I, I mean, he's, for a, for a pretty big guy, he can move well out there. Like, he skates very well for his size. And it was definitely noticeable as well that he was a lot more comfortable and a lot more aggressive as well and confident with a puck on his stick as the game drew on. I mean, there was one play in particular, you know, nothing that led to a scoring chance or anything like that. But the puck on his stick inside the defensive zone, you know, maybe the easy play would be just to kind of fire it up quickly to avoid the forecheck. But he holds on to the puck. The forechecker kind of peels away, and then the Jets are able to break out of the zone cleanly. That was a really, really positive play, I thought, from Johnny Kovacevic. And, you know, by the time the end of the night, you know, by, by the time the final buzzer went off, he was the team's expected goals leader in the game. He was the team's course leader. Like, he actually played, a, you know, by by the by the fancy stats, a pretty solid game despite a rough first period. So, well, we'll see how many more games he gets into. Realistically, before the All-Star break, I imagine that afterwards, you know, there'll be enough healthy bodies to uh, fit into the lineup and he gets back to playing big, big minutes with the Moose. But, you know, all things considered... <laughs> I thought it was a pretty strong performance from the kid, and I'm excited to see more out of him. I think, I think there's a solid NHLer in there, you know, pretty soon. I don't know how much longer the Winnipeg Jets have to wait on that, but I'm intrigued to see just what the potential is for Jonathan Kovacevic. I think, I think there's the chance that he can be a, a decently impactful player for the club. Not a top pair guy, but you know, maybe he sneaks onto a second pairing at some point in his NHL career. So. Good to see from Johnny Kovacevic. Now, not a debut, not a, not a season debut even, but Vili Hanala back in the lineup, no surprise, once again. Getting an opportunity to to try to, you know, get some games under his belt and, you know, build some confidence after a up-and-down performance in his first game earlier this week on Tuesday against the Florida Panthers. A bit of a tough one for him to draw in and, you know, try to play some significant minutes against one of the best teams in the league. Very interested to see how he would respond in this one. You know, I think it was better than, than the Florida game, but I, I just wasn't overly impressed with, with Philly Hanela in this one. Now, you know, to be fair, he was given an absolutely god-awful 
penalty call that led to the Canucks' first goal. I mean, cross-checking it. I, I just, I, I know cross-checking is a bit of a emphasized penalty this year, but I mean, come on, the kid barely even put his hands on JT Miller in the slot there, and he, he gets an unfortunate penalty call. So that 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 was a bit of a, you know, a bad omen for the rest of his night. But it just looks to me right now like Vili Hainala is completely overthinking everything he does out there. And, and I get it too, as, you know, as a young kid, you're, you're trying to impress the coaching staff. But at the same time too, you also don't want to make a mistake because you don't want to get benched and lose ice time. So you're caught in this weird mushy middle where you're not, you're just not playing your game. And, and the second as a defenseman, especially when you start thinking too much or overthinking things, you're going to look foolish out there. And I, I think Vili Hainala, and it's tough to get out of a rut like that, but I just think he'd be better served to to play instinctual, right? Like, just don't think about it. Let the play come to you. You're a good hockey player. Make the decision kind of off feel as opposed to what should I do here? Should I play it safe? Should I make an aggressive move? Just go out there and play hockey. And, and he's just not doing that right now, and we're not seeing a, a fully effective Villahanela, which is really too bad because, I mean, let's face it, out of all the Jets' prospects on the blue line, he's the one that comes in with the most potential. I mean, the most pedigree, but as far as being an actual impact defenseman, that's the easiest route the Winnipeg Jets can go to acquire one, is that Villahanela ultimately becomes that, and it, it's just been a bit of a rough go for him in his first two games this season in the NHL. And, you know, on, on top of that, like, I, I think he's going to be better. I think we're going to see a more confident player as he gets a few more games, you know, on the weekend, heading into the All-Star break, all that. But I do got to say, and I'm I'm not saying he's, you know, not going to be an NHL or moving forward or, you know, this stretch of games determines what he's going to be for the rest of his career. But I, I, I just got to be honest, I... I do have my doubts about his ceiling as an NHLer. You know, I mentioned the impact defenseman there. I, I still think he does have the best chance on the Jets as far as their prospect um, pipeline on the blue line. I think he's got the best chance to to be an impact guy. But I don't know if that's going to be in the cards for him. You know, the, the, the main thing that stands out to me, you know, people will point to the size and I just think that's a bit of an overblown issue when it comes to defensemen, just because we've seen so many, you know, quote-unquote undersized or smaller defensemen make a major, major impact on the game. I mean, Adam Fox isn't Victor Hedman out there, and he's coming off a of Norris, and he's going to be in the top three again this year. You know, it's not size necessarily that's the big issue with Vili Hanela. To me, it's his skating. His skating has got to be a lot better. Right now, he's you know, average to, to below average when it comes to skating in the NHL. And as a 5'11", 6-foot defenseman with a slight frame, he's got to be a lot more explosive and a lot more dynamic. And I just haven't seen that. Maybe, maybe it's to come. Maybe it'll be there in a few years. I, I don't know that for sure. But I'm just saying I have my doubts. You know, I would love to be proven wrong. Would love to look stupid in a couple of years when he's you know, patrolling the Jets' blue line and playing 20-plus minutes a night. But I do ultimately wonder just how high the ceiling is going to be for Vili Hanela. No doubt an NHLer. I just don't know if it's going to be at the top of the lineup, which is something the Jets so, so, so desperately need. Now, that'll do it for the Canucks game. I really don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I'm sure 
Jets fans don't want to hear about that one anymore as well. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a high note or a positive note that we're going to end the episode on, but I, 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 th- I feel like we have to touch on this more so because at least maybe we can make fun of a different organization for being in a worse spot than the Winnipeg Jets are right now. I was just blown away. I, I thought this was an onion headline, honestly, when I heard it earlier Thursday morning, but it's actually true. And that's our old buddies down in Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes. If you haven't heard, it's just beyond ridiculous. It's it's beyond parody at this point. But apparently the Arizona Coyotes are in extended talks to potentially play a large majority of their home games in the upcoming seasons. I believe it was Arizona State. I could be wrong on that. Either way, at a college campus. The Arizona Coyotes, again, a professional hockey team, a professional NHL team, apparently, are set to play their home games at a college arena that has a max capacity of 5,000 people. Now, I'm not even going to go down the lines that, that everybody basically went to when they heard this story, which is, how in the hell does Gary Bettman keep this team in Arizona and not move them to Houston or Quebec City immediately? Right? Because any sane, logical person would come to that conclusion. A, after hearing that story, but B, they would have come to that conclusion many, many years ago when it was just clear that the experiment in the desert in Arizona wasn't going to work. And it's not going to work. It works in Vegas. Vegas is a great hockey town, defying all the odds. But it's just not going to work in Arizona. And on top of it, you have two ready-to-made big-time markets that the NHL could tap into. I mean, that part of it is just insanity. And I'll, I'll never understand why. Well, you know what? Maybe I do understand. I'll get to that in just a second about why the NHL is so intent on trying to make Arizona an NHL market. But my first thought, actually, when I heard this news was, could you imagine the reaction down south by Gary Bettman, by the higher-ups in the NHL, if the Winnipeg Jets ever pulled something like that? You know what I mean? Like, if the Winnipeg Jets were ever like, you know what, we might be playing our games at Max Bell Arena coming up soon. Because Canada Life Center, eh, they're kicking us out because we don't pay rent too often. How quickly would the Winnipeg Jets be relocated if that option was ever discussed? The Jets or any other Canadian team would have been packed up and ship through the night like the Baltimore Colts back in the day to some unknown location in the United States if there was ever a discussion like this to be had. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's just, I I can't believe still that this is happening to the point now where I kind of have to put the tinfoil hat on when it comes to why the NHL wants the Coyotes in Arizona so badly. The, The best explanation I can come up with at this point is that The owners in the NHL know that Arizona is a place that they can dump their god-awful contracts and find a way to get back to contending. That's point A. And then point B is that as long as the Coyotes are there, not drawing a ton of fans, maybe that's a way to artificially keep hockey-related revenue down. And the escrow payments can keep coming in. And the league makes a little bit more money that way. That's the only semi-logical reason I can think of as to why the Coyotes continue to stay 
in that god-awful market. And by god-awful market, I mean just try to make things work in Glendale. There was maybe a chance, you know, in, in downtown Phoenix or, or some other, you know, more metro location, maybe. But it's clearly never going to work in Glendale. And it's just such an embarrassment and such a black eye for the league that this continues to happen. Because it would never, ever last in the NFL, maybe Major League Baseball, because that's that's a terrible league for other reasons. But it also never lasts in the NBA, right? Like any of the big, big boys would have snuffed this out long, long ago, especially when it just seems like Houston is dying to have a franchise there anytime soon. They're ready to go. One of the biggest media markets in the entire USA. I, you know, if, if you're a listener of this podcast, before this season, we had our bold predictions episode and my brother Tyson, who joined me for it, said that he actually predicted that the Arizona Coyotes would be the Houston Coyotes a season from now, which, you know, made a little bit of sense. What I don't think anybody could have anticipated was that we might get the Arizona State Coyotes played in front of 2,500 people at a university arena before we got to see an NHL team in Houston yet again. So a complete joke. Maybe that's one way to bring a smile to your face. Winnipeg Jets fans heading into the weekend here that, I, hey, it's bad right now, but it could be worse. You could be the Arizona Coyotes and the Winnipeg Jets could be playing their home games out of the Highlander or something like that. But that's going to do it for the episode here and that's going to do it for the week for us. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you stopping by. We're going to be back at it coming up on Tuesday where we'll uh, talk the last couple of games for the Jets. Before the All-Star break, I, I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of fans could use the break more so than the Winnipeg Jets right now. So we'll break down their lone game on the weekend, a big contest against the St. Louis Blues, an afternoon matchup, before they take on oh great the Philadelphia Flyers. I I, I thought I was I've stopped watching the Flyers, so it's great that they come back on the schedule one more time for me here. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that one as well, I guess. But that's where we'll turn our attention to when we come back after the weekend and return on Tuesday's episode. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for tuning in yet again to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We're back at it on Tuesday morning. Until then, stay safe. Have a happy weekend. Peace.